And there we go. So it's been an interesting week. When fear and chaos grip us in our human condition, there seems to be, I don't know what the word for it is, like a degeneration. A degeneration that occurs in us that drives us to basic urges, basic needs, basic survival. And apparently it doesn't take all that much to trigger this in us. And I came to this realization when I went to the grocery store earlier this week. I went early in the morning. I got to the grocery store at 6 a.m. And I wanted to pick up a few things, eggs, milk, bread, lunch meat, cheese. Toilet paper. Laundry soap. Bottled water. The things that we normally replenish every couple of weeks in our household. When I got to Kroger, I was a little bit taken back at how full the parking lot was at 6 in the morning. There were more people there than usual. It was like a busy Saturday afternoon. And when I got into the grocery store, I, I got one of those little carts because it was the only cart available. You know, those little tiny ones look like a kid's cart. You can barely put a case of water in that thing. But I looked at other people's carts as I was getting my basket and I walked into the store and there were lines of people with carts stacked up with toilet paper, canned soup, cleaning products, and cases and cases and cases of bottled water. It reminded me of the last hurricane preparation, only more than that at 6 a.m. in the morning. And so I began making my way up and down the aisles. I was adding things to my cart in the usual fashion. I got to the toilet paper aisle and I picked up a package of Cottonelle. As two people reached at the same time for one of the few remaining packages next to me and as they grabbed this package of toilet paper they both clung to it tightly at the same time and glared at each other now the smaller of the two ladies that was there finally relented and let the larger lady have it i figured that was pretty way well the way things go the strong preying on the weak And so I continued on and I picked up one of the last cases of bottled water when I got to that aisle. And as I reached down and picked it up, because I'm, I'm pretty particular about my bottled water, Gene. Okay. I, I have to have the Dasani with the green cap because when you pick up that bottle of water, it doesn't squish in your hand like the others do, right? Anyway, I, I went for one of the four cases that was there and a lady was going for the other three and she looked at me angrily as if three cases was not enough for her. But I put it on my cart and moved on. And as I left the bottled water aisle and saw the long lines of people waiting to check out, I looked back at the aisle and it was bare and I thought, where have I woken up this morning? 
This is not the land of abundance that I'm familiar with. There's a water wilderness behind me and it occurred to me that people were reverting back to their basic human instincts. The, the strong were preying on the weak rather than praying for them. They were putting their needs of self ahead of the needs of others. They were fearing the worst instead of seeking the best. They were hoarding material goods instead of sharing the spiritual things of love and kindness. And it also occurred to me as I stood in the line that one of the most coveted items for these frenzied foragers was water. They were searching for water in the wilderness of their own making. And so in the passage from Exodus chapter 17 that we read this morning, we get a look at how significant water can be in the wilderness. It says, directed by God, the whole company of Israel moved on by stages from the wilderness of sin. You can't make this stuff up. That's a real place. The wilderness of sin. And they set camp at this place called Rephidim. And there wasn't a drop of water for the people to drink. And the people took Moses to task. Give us water to drink. But Moses said, why pester me? Why are you testing God? This sounds so familiar. Governor, give us water. Give us toilet paper. Mayor, we need water and toilet paper. But the people were thirsty for water there. They complained to Moses. Why did you take us from Egypt and drag us out here with our children and animals to die of thirst? As if they had it so good in Egypt. And Moses cried out to, to, in prayer to God and he said, what can I do with these people? Any minute they're going to stone me to death. So God says to Moses, go ahead of the people. Take the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff that you used to strike the Nile and go. I'm going to be present before you there on the rock at Horeb and you, when you strike the rock, water will gush out of it and the people will drink. So Moses did what he said. He took the elders of Israel. He went to Massa, which means the testing place. And Meribah, which means the place of quarreling. I think we live there. I think I live on the corner of Massa and Meribah. Because the Israelites were quarreling and because they were testing God when they said, is God here with us or not? I think there are a lot of Christians that are asking that question in this time. Is God here with us or not? What is going on in this situation? It's just, well, it's a wilderness. The wilderness of sin or the desert of sin is a geographic area in real life 
between Elam and the wilderness of Sinai. It's about 700 square kilometers of arid land where water is in very short supply. And the Israelites are in a bad spot and they're grumbling and they're complaining, which they usually do. And they're saying to Moses, is God here with us or not? We are thirsty. Now we're on a Lenten journey. And I have to admit my focus has been diverted away from our Lenten journey, at least my personal one, dealing with other things that are coming. But in our Lenten journey, we can sometimes feel like we're in a desert wilderness. As we look into the deepest recesses of our hearts, of our lives, as, as we examine where we are in our faith walk, as we try to get a handle on our relationship with God, as we go to the grocery store and see empty shelves, as people seem angry and hostile for no apparent reason, toward us, we can sometimes feel abandoned in the wilderness, thirsty for refreshment and not finding any. See, the wilderness of sin is not just a geographic place in the Middle East. The wilderness of sin is a state of being. It's a place where we find ourselves, where life-giving water is nowhere in sight. But God provided for those grumbling, ungrateful people. Moses struck the rock at Horeb and God provided water in the desert of sin. And so I pause to ask myself, where does our water come from during our own personal Lenten journey in our own personal wilderness of sin? Where does our water come from when fear and chaos are the order of the day? And so as I ponder that, I think about our New Testament lesson today, the Gospel lesson from John in the fourth chapter. If you're following along, it's uh, John 4, beginning at verse 5, all the way to 42. It's a lengthy passage, but there's a lot in it. So bear with me as we go through this together. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar. Or maybe Kroger's. <laughs> near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well... It was about noon. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him, and we, He would have given you living water. The woman said to Him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am He, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He, he cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to you, Lord Christ.
So Jesus is the source of living water in our personal wilderness of sin. And as we walk through this desert journey we're on in this season of Lent, let us not be afraid to dig deeply into the hidden places of our mind and our heart and root out the darkest recesses and expose them to the light of truth. It's a time of self-examination. Don't be afraid to do some exploratory surgery. Remember that as a believer in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. And whatever you find there in those hidden places of your soul, all that stuff that has been pushed deep down in there, all the stuff, well, because of Jesus, it's already been forgiven. There's no reason to leave it hidden away there in your heart because in Christ there is no condemnation. So it's okay to bring that stuff out, expose it to the light of day, drink deeply from the living water that's being offered to you. Get safely to the other side of your wilderness of sin. See, the epistle that Angela read to us from the fifth chapter of Romans tells us just like in the communion liturgy that you hear when we do Holy Communion in this sanctuary, that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. And so we say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Now, circumstances have changed since we began Lent. Just a little bit. I'm not saying that we don't need to still continue to get inside of our own hearts and figure out what in there doesn't belong to Jesus and give that up. Fill those darkest recesses with the love of Christ so that Jesus is in your whole heart. I, I, I still think we need to be doing that. But Lent, by and large, is, is a time to look inwardly, and something is in our midst that I think changes the flavor of that a little bit. This thing called the Wuhan virus, the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to label it, this insidious stuff that's floating around from person to person to where this Lenten season I don't think that looking inside 100% of the time is in the best interest of our church family I think we need to have our eyes focused first of all on Christ on the cross and we need to be attentive to who is not among us in this season why are they not here do they have needs does my neighbor have water and toilet paper do I have enough to maybe share with them is there a way that we can all get through this together 
instead of building our toilet paper forts and hunkering down till everything passes. In other words, can we focus our attention a little less this Lenten season than we have been called to do and focus our gaze outwardly looking out for the welfare of one another and others in our community. Yeah, we need to do some self-examination. And maybe the thing that we self-examine in this period is am I sitting on a fort of toilet paper when others are going without? Am I hoarding hand cleaner and disinfectant when there are others in my church family that may have none? Are people hurting for resources and food? Do I have any that I can share? And as I look inside myself and I say, it's all mine, I'm not sharing with anybody, maybe that's something that we need to dig out and give up to God. I'm not saying that's any of you, I'm preaching to the choir, I'm sure of it. But this is the spirit I think that we need to go forward because if we all work together to get through this and we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, then we're gonna get through it. Just like we have every other thing that has come down our way. Fallen and broken world produces things like viruses. But make no mistake about it, the power of God, the sovereignty of God, the power of prayer, the power of Christian community will defeat those things every time. And so I offer this to you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That proves God's love for us. While we were still adrift in the wilderness of sin with no water in sight, God gave His only Son who poured out His life, who poured out His living water for you and for me. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our next hymn is...